Good evening to you. Welcome to SAFM Sports Wrap this evening. Coming up on tonight's show, there's that uh, all-important one-day international that's taking place in Centurion this evening. The Proteus up against England. It is do or die for the Proteus. One they must win if they want to keep the series alive. We'll be crossing to Supersport Park uh, a little bit later on in the show to find out exactly what is happening. We'll also chat to South African seven-star Vadner Cook on this evening's show as well. And last night saw the opening round of the 2016 Varsity Rugby Tournament. And we'll chat about some of the interesting rule innovations, particularly an 11-point try. Yep. Make sure you stay tuned for that. Uh, I think it's a great rule, and I think it uh, will definitely change the way the game is played. So we'll find out more about that a little bit later on as well. Right now, though, let's take a look at some of the stories making uh, headlines around the world and talking of that one-day international. South Africa currently 64 without loss in reply to England's 318-48 in their first innings. South Africa needing another 255 runs of 39.1 overs. We'll chat to Johan Leroux in just a short while. Other international cricket that's taking place right now in Pune. India up against Sri Lanka in their first T20 international of their series. India dismissed for 101 in 18.5 overs. In reply, Sri Lanka 62 for the loss of 2 in 11.2. They need another 40 runs or 52 balls with 8 wickets remaining. At the Under-19 World Cup today, the... Uh, uh, ninth place playoff, semi-final of the plate. New Zealand and the 19s uh, up against Afghanistan. Afghanistan winning that one by eight wickets in the semi-final. India dismissing Sri Lanka for just 170. That after they posted 267 for nine in their 50. And in... Uh, the fifth place playoff, Pakistan and the 19s up against Nepal. Pakistan posting 258 for 8 and then dismissing Nepal for 136, giving Pakistan the 136-run victory. Steve Smith's been appointed as Australia's captain for the upcoming World T20. He replaces Aaron Finch. Smith says uh, it was a decision that he wasn't expecting. Uh, it was a little bit of a surprise. Um, I've always been supportive of Aaron as the T20 captain. Um, it wasn't until a couple of days ago that Rodney came up to me and after they had a little meeting, um, they they said that I'd be the captain of the, the T20 side. So that had to get ratified by the board. Um, and it was, and you know, I'm really looking forward to taking over the side. On to rugby now. Bulls and Springbok fly off. Andre Pollard's been ruled out of rugby for at least nine months after he ruptured knee ligaments in training. Pollard's injury came on the first day of his return to rugby and according to Bulls coach Nolas Murray, it was a freak accident. Pollard will miss the entire Super Rugby competition as well as tests against Ireland. He'll be operated on tomorrow. Bad news for the Lions too. They'll be without winger Sampi Maastricht for at least three months. He's picked up a shoulder injury. News out of the Kings camp is that prop Stisitole and Namibian Lock at Tijui Iron Nivi have joined the Southern Kings ahead of this year's Super Rugby competition. In the absence of Patrick Lambie, Marcel Kutsia will captain the Sharks in their preseason friendly at Toulouse on Thursday night. On to Sevens news now. Ryan Kankowski and uh, Hoffman Maritz will join the Blitzbox squad as Juan de Jong, Cheslin Colby and Reno Benjamin return to their respective franchises. And former Ireland captain Paul O'Connell's announced his retirement from rugby on medical advice. 
In football news, it's some good news for Polokwane City. Coach Julio Leal has finally received his work permit three months after being unveiled by the club. The Brazilian was presented to the media in early November last year, but has had to coach from the sidelines as he waited for his documentation to come through. The former Amazulu Morocco Swallows and Orlando Pirates tactician can now take up his place in the dugout. There's football to look forward to this evening too. 7.30 tonight, Kaiser Chiefs are away to Bidvest Vitz. News out of the FIFA presidential race, our sportsman Sefkile Mbulula says that Tokyo Sehwale will continue to enjoy the unconditional support of his department. In England, also action to look forward to this evening. Fourth round FA Cup replay, West Ham United up against Liverpool. And Barcelona forward Lionel Messi has missed training. He's undergoing treatment on kidney stones. Tennis news now, and South Africa will host Luxembourg on a hard court at the Irene Country Club during their Davis Cup Europe Africa Group 2 first tie round tie. Will number 5 Rafael Nadal will uh, play this year's Aegon Championships at Queen's in the build-up to Wimbledon. And finally, in cycling, today was stage two of the Tour of Qatar. Team Dimension data for Quebecers Mark Cavendish and Edward Bosenhagen finished second and fifth, respectively. Cavendish leads the general classification by five seconds from Katusha's Alexander Christoph. Coming up next, we'll head to Centurion to find out what's happening in the cricket. This is Sport on SAFM, every supporter's greatest resource. Well, the pro tiers, uh, big ask. They need to chase down 319 for victory. Touch wood, the run chase going pretty well. Johan Leroux is at Supersport Park. Johan, South Africa looking pretty good uh, up front. Long may it continue. It's going to be uh, an interesting conclusion of this one. Thank you very much, Brad. Yes, I think it was important that these two openers got South Africa off to a very, to have very Johan good. on the line at the moment. Let's see if... Moment. Well, Brad, uh, South Africa needed to get off to a very good start here in this uh, ODI. They are, of course, chasing 319. That's to try and keep this series alive. And uh, the two openers, Hashim Amla and Quentin Lecoq, making sure they did exactly that. They have moved South Africa to 72 without loss. That's after 12 overs. Amla currently on 30 and Quentin Lecoq on 38. Uh, like I mentioned, 319. That is the target to try and get this series to 2-1 after England scored a terrific 318 for 8 which was mainly contributed to by Joe Root he produced a stunning century Johan, uh, obviously lots of pressure on the Proteas on this one they've, they've lost the, the two opening matches of the series uh, this one do or die and uh, if they want to win the series they've got to win the next three yes and uh, that's exactly right uh, Brad and South Africa did lose that test series in South Africa, which was a massive blow for the team. They were the number one test side in the world, and they've since lost that ranking. They certainly don't want the same to happen here in this ODI series by losing two series in a row to England. But I must also add, England are a very different team to what we saw at the World Cup last year. I think uh, Director of Cricket Andrew Strauss has certainly turned things around. Coach Trevor Bayliss doing unbelievable things with this side. If you just look at the quality that they have in their team with batting and bowling, Jason Roy and Alex Hales at the top doing phenomenal things. And uh, then, of course, the class of Joe Root and Joss Butler, just unbelievable. Owen Morgan still not yet to fire the captain in this ODI series, but then you have a guy like Ben Stokes coming in at number six, they deep back they're very deep down in do uh, this England side, and then in the bowling department also some quality Willie Topley, Stokes and Jordan the bowlers too have been used so far 
and uh, England uh, just a very, very different side to what we saw last year. Yeah, there are lots of pressure on the Proteas. Looking forward to seeing how this one does progress. We'll chat to you later on uh, in this evening's show. Don't forget, if you'd like to be in touch with us here on SAFM Sports Round 34701, that's the SMS number. SMS is charged at one round. Can the Proteas win tonight? It's a big ask. They're chasing 319 for victory. I'd love to get your thoughts. Can A.B. de Villiers and the rest of this team pull things off? We'll have to wait and see. Up next, we chat to Vadna Cork. You're listening to Sport on SAFM, the next best thing to being at the game. You're listening to South Africa's news and information leader, and uh, it was another interesting weekend of Sevens Rugby in Sydney this past weekend, and probably one that uh, the Blitzbocker would have liked to have performed better, but in the end, not a not a terrible performance by the South African Sevens side. They put in a couple of great matches, uh, obviously are struggling with uh, a lot of their, their mainline players struggling with injury, but uh, losing to Australia in the uh, Cup semi-finals, the Aussies, uh, it's been a while since they've beaten South Africa, and they they did it on home soil. It was a fantastic semi-final, and uh, yeah, the Aussies played really well in that one. Joined now uh, by a member of that squad who is one of those players struggling with a bit of a, an injury at the moment. Vadna Kork, Vadna, welcome on to SAFM Sport Trap tonight. Thanks for, for joining us. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Vadna, two weeks uh, on the trot, Wellington and, and then uh, Sydney this past weekend. Uh, so close yet so far, the, the Blitzbocker losing in the final in Wellington semi-finals this past weekend. Uh, at the end of the day, I mean, you guys as a squad, I know you weren't there, but as a squad you pride yourself with putting in, in top performances and you don't go there just to make up the numbers. You want to win uh, these tournaments. Uh, as squad as a whole, would, would they be disappointed with the last two weeks? I think I think they can be very very proud. Um, they had a great two weeks. Yeah, we we are a little bit disappointed with um, the loss in Wellington and with um, Sydney where we lost three of our key key guys. And um, yeah, I think they can be happy and get uh, serious. Have to focus on the next one. Yeah, next one happening in Vegas, obviously. But the, the last two weeks and, and playing two tournaments like this on the trot, it, it does take its its toll physically on on the team. Uh, as as far as what you've heard, I mean, looking at at uh, the squad as a whole, I mean, are there any major concerns, particularly with it being an, an Olympic year? Um, no, not actually. Um, the guys will be ready. Uh, some of the guys that got an injury over the two few, few weeks uh, went for scans and everything. I think the the media will be given the the go ahead to, to, to show what what happened, and I'm sure those those guys will probably be ready in the next maybe four to six weeks, and will be will be a full squad again. Vanna, just looking at the standings, and at the end of the day, yes, we'd love to win World Series titles, but in a year where, where there is a, a Rio Olympic Games looming and, and the first time that Sevens has been included on that program, things really tight at the moment. I mean, three, three sides sitting on 69 points, ourselves, Fiji and New Zealand, Australia, not too far behind. Uh, and then just looking at some of the, uh, the other nations, Argentina's there, England's there, USA's there. Uh, it's very competitive on that series at the moment. Obviously, everyone vying and, and trying to make sure that they're in tip-top shape come Rio. Yeah, definitely. There's, um, there's no easy game on the circuit these days. Every single team brings their best and they, they, they play very, very well. And leading up to the Olympics, it's, it's going to be tough. We have to get all our players up to shape and everyone has to get game time uh, this year. And coming Olympics, it's, it's very important. We, um, we can get a gold medal. I'm sure we worked hard enough and I can't wait to see what happens. 
Banner, just looking at some of the the incidents over the last two weeks, we we spoke uh, last week to Carl Brown following the Wellington Sevens and, and the, some of the refereeing decisions in that final. Don't want to revisit that, but this past weekend, once again, there was a, a curious case where, where New Zealand had eight players on the field during their, their final pool game against Australia, which ended in a draw, and would that have affected the outcome of the tournament? I mean, you, you can't really say, but... Uh, is it concerning, particularly with the, the Rio Olympics looming, that decisions could affect the outcome of games and tournaments? Is it something that, as a player, you, you are concerned about? Um, not for me. Luckily, luckily, I don't have to make those choices on the field. But it, um, it was an honest mistake. I think um, they, they they didn't pick, out, pick it up. The sideline refs didn't pick it up. And... Things like, things like that happened, and New Zealand was the best team for Wellington and Sydney. And coming Olympics, I think the best refs will be will be chosen, and they 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 will do their job. Ben, looking at, at you personally, obviously struggling with that that injury. How how things looking for you with it being the year that it is? No, it, it, it's going very well. Um, I've I'm nine weeks in, into my rehab now. I still have uh, 14, uh, 13 weeks left. And I'll be ready at the probably middle May, end of May. And there's still two tournaments after, after the series. And I'm, I'm looking for those. And then, then it's only full pace going to the Olympics. It, it is my dream and I'm, I'm going to work hard for it. Banner, looking at, at the squad and, and just some of the things that have been happening this this season and, and going ahead, I see a, a couple of new names being, being sort of brought in for, for uh, the, the next sort of round. Ryan Kankowski is one of them, Hoffman Moritz as well, uh, and then a few of the players being sent back to, to their, their franchise, Juan de Jong, Tesla, Colby, Rano, Benjamin amongst those. Obviously, it's an opportunity for, for the coach and the management team to, to try out different combinations and see who uh, the right players are. That's obviously no, no uh, sort of doubt downside to, to those three players that are, are, are sent back to their franchises, but it's just an opportunity for the coach to see who, who possibly is going to be in that, that Olympic squad. And definitely, we, we have to get our depth in our team, and coming the, the month before Olympics, we have to we have, to have the, the right team and the right um, combination to, to go to the Olympics. And everyone that's coming in works, works very hard, and I'm sure... Doesn't matter who gets picked for the Olympics, that team will will go and produce the goods. You, you talk about depth, and I think that's probably one of the biggest positives that's come out of uh, South African Sevens rugby this season is our depth, and, and that was something that was said lots this past weekend in Sydney, that if you look at how well we did perform both this weekend and the previous week in Wellington, uh, one of the standouts was the, the number of good players we've got, considering the great players that are, are sitting at home on, on the injured list. Yeah, definitely. Everyone, everyone is filling the the shoes of of the guys that getting that got injured, and they they want to play. They they are amazing players. Um, new guys like Sticks and Dylan Sage, and they they do it. They they play very very well, and hopefully um, we can we can pick the right team for the Olympics. Absolutely. Well, the next round of that HSBC World 7 Series takes place in Las Vegas, 4th to the 6th of March. Banner Cox, thank you for your time this evening on SAFM Sports Trap. Best of luck with the rest of that rehab, and we can't wait to see you in action uh, fit as a fiddle once again soon. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. SAFM Sports Trap.
On to rugby now here on SAFM Sports Wrap. And last night saw the first round of the 2016 FNB Varsity Cup rugby that rocks. And there have been a few interesting uh, innovations once again. And uh, Varsity Sports has been on the leading edge of uh, innovating in the various sporting codes. But I wanted to find out a little bit more about some of the interesting uh, changes uh, in the 2016 season. And uh, we join now this evening here on SAFM Sports Wrap by Nancy Nessi. Nessi, welcome. Welcome on to SFM Sports Chat. Thanks for, for joining us this evening. It's, it's good to chat. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And I love that you guys are covering and following all of the sporting codes that we offer. And Nessie, it's interesting. One thing that, that Varsity Sport has done, like I said, is, is innovate, particularly when it comes to, to, to rule changes. And some of those rule changes get dropped at uh, the end of the season and, and, and thrown in the trash can. But some of them do go on to, to some of the bigger competitions. And, and I wanted to chat about some of the innovations that you guys are putting in place for, for 2016. Can you tell us about uh, some of the things you've done? I know that you, you've changed uh, the scoring system slightly. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so, so the main thing is that there's actually two laws that I'll talk about briefly. The first is a scrumming law where we've sort of made the scrum, the distance between the two props has been shortened, therefore not allowing for as much impact to be done, which means you don't have as many scrums collapsing. But it's not a glamorous law change, and it's one of those that only a rugby lover will notice. We have far less scrums going down. And the second is a mauling law where the scrums account for the team to sort themselves out before maul, it's been shortened so that the spectators aren't bored by this team going backwards and no one knows what's going on and this team's are going forward. We've also cut that out. But the main one that's got everyone talking is our new try allocation points for try scored. So simply put, if you score a try from your own half without conceding possession, and by you I mean your team, without conceding possession, that try is worth nine points. And if you score a try, anywhere you get the ball, position originates from anywhere between the halfway line and our position's 22, and you don't lose possession of the ball and you go out to score a try, that try is worth seven points. So those have been the big, the two big changes that have had everyone talking, and that a team could never be out of a game. So at any point, if you, if you manage to run a ball from your half or get an intercept from your half, you run the length of the field, nine points for the try and two points for the conversion, that's an 11-point try. Yeah, that's incredible. Now, see, I was, was going to ask you that. Is, is the conversion still exactly the same? And I'm taking it that if you score from within your opponent's 22, uh, that's the normal as it stands right now, a five-pointer plus the two for conversion. Yes. Yes, that's exactly it. So what we've done is, at first at Vox Cup, if you notice, in the, in the past years, we've always had the, con- the conversion at three points. The main reason was for this was to encourage more try scoring so that teams would have only the three points of conversion. But we found that with our new laws and new points allocation to tries, we could bring the conversion back to two and push the penalty back up to three so that teams wouldn't transgress knowing that a penalty would never catch up to the score. We always wanted to make sure that the penalty and the kicker is always still in the game. Nancy, these innovations, obviously, particularly with this, this point system, is is to try and encourage running rugby, I'm taking it, and, and from deep within your own half, too. Looking at the first round last night, are the teams embracing it? Are you seeing a change in the tactics? We saw an amazing, the first ever try scored, nine-point try scored in our competition yesterday, was a kick from tax, which it was a pointless kick, so to speak, but... The fact that they caught the ball, and in the past, Brendan Center, who is a known rugby analyst in, in, around the world, said simply just by that kick, Booker knew that if they ran the ball back at them, they had a nine-point try on the cards. They ran the ball back. There was an amazing switch pass behind the back from one of the Booker players, 
which resulted in this try. So you can already see the dividends being paid off, you know. Teams are now far more alert in how they use their ball. And now kicking away aimlessly position is something that, that's always been said about South African rugby. It's nice to know that within the first week, we've already got rugby analysts talking about how you can counter that and how teams are using the spaces around it to actually run the ball back at the opposition. So it is an exciting feature. So to see it in the first week, UCT, I was at that game last night, and they played against Shimmers. They were in a position where they got a penalty, and had they kicked back into their own half and started playing from their own half, they would have scored a nine-point try, which would have brought them right back into the game. So it's exciting to also see people talking about that, and the crowd is starting to learn more. And they were getting involved, almost cheering for UCT to kick this ball backwards so they could run it back at them, you know. So it, it, it is working, and it is paying dividends for us. Just on that, and and just a clarification on the rules, if you take the ball back into within your own half, does that then count, or does it have to originate from, from that point? It has to originate from that point. So an example I could use is, if you get a penalty in, in your opposition's 22, because from a kick of a penalty, you kick the ball out into touch, that lineup is yours, and a set a set a set phase play is seen as a new origination of position. Mm. So if you were to kick a ball back into your own half and the lineout in your half, the point of origination would be seen as that lineout. And that's your lineout, so therefore you throw in chances are you would win your own lineout and if you attack from there, that would be seen as position originating from your own half. That's very interesting. And and, and also just something that you, you mentioned there too, that I mean I was talking about attacking from within your own half, but it also makes the defending team uh, really question their tactics. And like you say, that aimless kicking, uh, it has to be done away with because you can't just pump it upfield and, and, and sort of push your lines and hope that uh, your defensive lines hold because uh, you could concede an 11-pointer. Most definitely, especially now. We, one of the main things and I think that for me has been encouraging as a tournament manager is that we're addressing all the problems that people have pointed out in South African rugby. So often people have said South, Africans, South African teams are known for pointless kicking and South African teams cannot run the ball. We don't have the creativity to run the ball. Now you've got young kids that are still fresh from, from high school rugby and maybe in the junior years of varsity and now they're starting to be told, run it, attack, you know, attack the spaces, play positive rugby, crowds are more inclined to watch that, you know. So yesterday we saw all of a sudden Kyle Mugana was a young fullback from UCT who had just come from the uh, under 20 World Cup. He was attacking such brilliant lines and everyone was talking about him at the stadium saying, we haven't seen this kid run and this is the same player who had played varsity cup the year before. So it actually is exciting to see South African rugby players now embracing this and starting to say, listen, We've got to start playing more positive rugby. We've got to use the ball in hand. And it, and it obviously gives value to attacking rugby. Yeah, I, I love it. And, and obviously we've seen some innovations, like I said, uh, being, being put to the side in, in previous years. But some have gone on and been used in bigger tournaments like the Vodacom Cup uh, onto Super Rugby. Are you hoping that, that this innovation could make the leap up to, to the, those bigger tournaments? I, I, I definitely think we're going to see this tournament. We're going to see this tournament probably go international. You know, we, we came with the wide which is a review system, to take the blame away from the referee. And at first, everyone started to say, no way, it's not how the game is supposed to be played. But we found that the coaches started to embrace it because you no longer could sit at a press conference after the game and say the referee made a bad decision. We could review that decision on the spot. And all of a sudden, that white card concept is being accepted internationally. We started playing with 23 players so that you always had an extra prop on the bench in case there was an injury to a proper yellow card, you wouldn't have uncontested scrums, which take away from such a pivotal part of the game. And now, in 23 players are being adopted everywhere around the world. So this is one of those innovations we're saying, 
for so long, teams have never had an incentive to run the ball from their own half. More, the only time teams did that is when they knew their set phase attack was very good. For so long, defenses dominated the game of rugby. If you defend well, you know, the Stormers could go through a season where they just defend well and would still make it to the playoffs without attacking positively. So we're seeing a change where you're going to be rewarding teams for playing positive rugby. And not only is it good for rugby, it's good for spectators. You know, last week, 52% of our viewers are, are females. So it's, it's nice for them to go watch a game when they see Charles being scored. It's entertaining. So it's not one of those games you walk away and it's a game of 6-3, you know, teams are on penalties. You're now going to see teams trying to run from deep in their own half, which, which is exciting for everyone all around. I think it's a great innovation. I was a prop myself, and uh, I'm so glad this wasn't in when I was playing because it just means I have to run a, a lot more. You see, th- thank, you, thank you so much uh, for your time this evening here on SAFM Sports Trap. Much appreciated, and we look forward to, to hopefully seeing a lot more 11-pointers in the season of uh, Varsity Cup Rugby. Thank you very much, Brad, and I look forward to seeing one of the games. Thank you. SAFM Sports Trap. Well, before we tie things up for this evening's show, just to head back to Centurion, where the pro tiers are. And again, I'm touching wood because I really want us to win this thing. Johan Leroux, the run chase going pretty well. Quinton de Kock, uh, runnable 50s. He's looking in good nick. Very good, Nick. Uh, he kind of looks like he did in Bloemfontein in that first ODI, so let's hope he can turn that into a tr- uh, century. Like you said, 50 or 50 balls. That included seven fours and the one six. So terrific innings from him so far. Hashim Amla closing in on his 50 as well. He's currently on 42. South Africa, 103 without the loss of a wicket. That's after 18 overs. And they are chasing 319 for victory. The player is currently enjoying a drinks break. Just looking at uh, the selections you mentioned a little bit earlier on today as well, just some of the chains. And I see David Visa's in, and, and he's been in, in, in really good form domestically, but he's a, he's a game changer. I mean, with, with bat and ball, he, but particularly with a bat, and in a situation like this, hopefully we don't need him. But if it does come down to that, this is what he thrives on. Definitely, Brad. Uh, he's been brought into the side in the place of Riley Rousseau, mainly to boost the bowling attack. Uh, unfortunately, for Visa, didn't do too well with the ball. He went for 64. He only picked up the one wicket and he bowled his full 10 overs. But he might come in very, very handy with the bat later on. South Africa do still have a few quality batsmen, if you just mention the names like Fafti and the wonderful A.B. de Villiers as well. J.P. Jiminy, he's been struggling with the bats a little bit, but he has been finding some form in this ODI series. And then it is Behar Dean that will come in after him. And then David Visser, like you said, hopefully he won't be called upon. Hopefully these two openers can take it very, very deep into the run chase. But if he is called upon, uh, David Visser is one of those guys that can change the match. Looking at uh, just... This total that we need to chase down, it is big. I mean, we've chased down more before. I mean, obviously the big one that we think of is, is the 434 game against Australia at the, at the Wanderers uh, a few years ago. But uh, three, th- just shy of 320 at the break, what was the talk like in that media center? I mean, what, what did the other journos that were there, did they feel we had, had what it takes? And is this pitch good enough to allow us to chase down 319 for victory? Well, everybody here seemed to think that if A.B. de Villiers can get in and uh, he can play a good innings, anything is chaseable, even up to 400. But at Centurion, like I said a little bit earlier as well, the highest second innings total is 301. And then the highest run chase that was produced by the West Indies back in 2004, that was 300. So if South Africa are to win this match and get the series to 2-1, they will have to produce the second 
or the highest second innings total at Centurion. So it is going to be a tough ask. At the moment, the weather is playing along really, really nicely. The storm seems to have mit- missed us, and uh, it's all set up for someone like Abi de Villiers oh, to yeah. come and steal the show. Can't wait. Uh, Johanna thank you very much. I'm looking forward to going home and, and watching that also on this evening, uh, that absolute premiership clash. But uh, we'll give you those updates. Let me actually do that quick. Uh, uh, Johan, thank you very much for that. We'll have updates throughout the evening, by the way, uh, here on SAFM. SAFM Sports Wrap. Looking at that football, uh, the Chiefs 11 fought tonight against Bidvest, Vitz, Peterson, Moleko, Matoho, Godinho, Nraka, uh, Katsande, Leslonyane, Maluleka, Twala, Tabalala, and Abroad, Bidvest, Vitz, Joseph, Slatswayo, Kamalo, Clayt, Slanti, Nslapo, Shongwe, Sekese, Manslambi, Keen, and Motswari. So those are the starting 11s tonight to kick off in half an hour from now. We'll have those results tomorrow morning on AM Live. We look forward to watching that game as well. And uh, I'll be back again on Friday. John Herricke in for me on PM Live tomorrow. Stephen uh, Kirker on SAFM Sports Wrap. And then also, don't forget, uh, we've got the PSL Radio Show, Second Jalo, coming up on Thursday. From myself, Brad Brown, and my producer, Siobhan Chetty, thank you so much uh, for joining us. We look forward to catching up again soon. Cheers.